0: they inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Different authorities have spoken to this subject. But let me quote something very interesting from
1: Albert Einstein who says, Everybody's a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. And so that's from Albert Einstein. These are the arguments for the motion. The arguments against the motion are numerous. But somebody just pulled out from right here in Ghana the curriculum of an international school doing the usual Montessori or international baccalaureate program and just pulled out the particular aspect of the curriculum that was of interest to me. The subjects that they were doing in their... um extracurricular activity ballet drumming and dancing band practice choir practice drama club, scouts karate soccer music b- bead making swimming art and poetry and so there are strong arguments for and strong arguments against let me remind you that my resource persons do not necessarily do not necessarily have to be at different parts of the spectrum in fact the position they're taking does not actually represent what they believe or what they stand for but they are robustly going to present their thoughts to educate all of us about the pros and cons let me start person arguing for the motion tonight is a known name and a known face educational consultant and researcher and author Anis Hafa will be speaking for the motion. Anis, welcome to Springboard Thank you. Good to see you sir My pleasure Right. Arguing against the motion, another good friend of Springbok, you've been here on the show before, Araba Middleton-Bokey. She's the Director of Admissions and Financial Aid at Ashesi University. Araba, thank you for coming. Thanks. Right. So we will, um, beyond my initial thoughts that I've shared about the subject... Um, We've listened to different authorities. We've watched YouTube programs, different people speaking for and against the motion. There are country-specific issues. There are global issues. But let's educate our listeners tonight on this subject. Our current educational system. Does it destroy talents or not? But let me go straight to Anis to set us off on this discussion. And so speaking for the motion, Anis, let's give you eight minutes to bring us up to speed. Does our current educational system destroy talents? Are by (laughs) smiling?
2: Well, I'll put it another way. Our current education system does not encourage creativity. Uh, I think it destroys talent. And, uh, you know, I've been an advocate for creativity in education in Ghana, I would imagine, since I arrived from the U.S. in 1996, excuse me, 1995. Now, the issue was this. You know, I look at my own education in uh, in France and Cape Coast, where the important thing was to be able to have access, uh, be able to have information at your disposal. And, in fact, I brought one of the exercise books that I used when I was in Cape Coast in really? France in 1961. And wow. it's a, a book on geography. So it's all about uh, what it is that you know. And uh, you copy the, the notes, and then uh, you memorize as much of it as you can. And then you're able to draw maps. You put in the uh, the dry season, the wet season. Uh, the capitals, and that sort of thing. And then you do examinations, and then they, they score you 10 over 10. is very good. You know, but then the education at that time, I think, was slated for uh, working in the civil service. So the idea is that, you know, this was, I mean, I was in France in 1961. This was a situation where after the uh, 1957, uh, we needed people to work in the civil service. So the most important thing is not that you are thinking and being creative because the systems have been set up for you. And you just go there and you work. Now it's unfortunate that still in 19, uh, 2016 we are teaching along the same lines. Uh, people to chew, poor pass, forget, and at the end of the day, be poor as a result of it. Now the, this, this is the this is the uh, the dilemma of education. But the the issue is not just in Ghana now. I mean, in my travels, you realize that there are a lot of countries who are now making the uh, the inroads into having young people begin to think their own thoughts, begin to do things for themselves. And out of that, of course, is creativity. What has happened to us within well, the past uh, 20 years or so, it's uh, people who have taken to upon themselves to do great things. And I'm talking about Steve Jobs. He's not a too poor past person. I mean, look, I mean, look at what it is that he's done for humanity. The same with Mark Zuckerberg, Bill Gates, the rest of it, Jeff Bozos. So the things are changing. I remember... I used to coordinate a program in the U.S. called the Gifted and Talented Education. And it was not based on true paths at all. It was based on people's creativity. And, you know, they start in the first grade so that the focus was not really on academics per se. The focus was really on a project that you can do. And a project you can do is really a project that you have designed for yourself, some hypothesis. What if something happens? What if you think a certain way? What if you add one uh, uh, one um, uh, chemical to another? Uh, uh, what to happen if you walk walk in fire? You know those are the kinds of creative activities that were done. Now check this: at the end of the day, they use a uh, blue ribbon prices for young people because what they do is that that's a big deal. At the end of the year, it's not your exam scores. The big deal is that they invite businesses to come and l- listen to young people. They invite uh, invite their congress people. They invite uh, assembly people. They invite business people to come and uh, listen to these young people. But what it does is that we have someone who is in the first grade. They don't have front teeth, but they have a project. And they speak to the things that they've done in a very confident way. And where we have people who even ask questions in terms of how they did what they did, uh, how they're going to do the next time around, and so on. Now, what that does is that it promotes talent, it promotes creativity, and then the issue is this. At the end of the day, you begin to realize that education, it's, it depends on you. What is it that you can do with it? Now, come the second year, you might work on the same project in an, in an extended basis as, an, as a form of inquiry, or you can enter some other kind of project be, uh, based on a new kind of expression that you have. But the important thing is that you transfer the learning process From the successes of your successes or failures from a initial project into other things. Now, check this. The issue we have in Ghana is this. In the elementary school, lower lower primary, we are sitting, listening, and reproducing information for three years. We go into the uh, uh, upper primary, another three years, we do the same thing. Then we go to JHS, another three years, we do the same thing. That's nine years right there. And then we go to secondary school. Uh, another three years. You we'll go to university, another four years. So look at this. This is uh, a human being who has been sitting for 16 years of their lives. And then you release these people to be creative. I mean, that is one of the saddest things that we do in this country. And what really is happening is that we are destroying our youth because our human capacity is not being developed at the level where we can begin to add value to who we are where we can begin to develop the confidence that, yes, I can excel in a particular area that has been defined by me. So what I'm saying is this. The most important thing is that we have to learn to read and write properly. You know, once you can read and write, my goodness, you can read anything. You can read history. You can read geography. You can read psychology. You can read philosophy. But you have to learn to read first and then read to learn. This is, I think, that is what is missing in our culture. But then the issue was this. I remember I was at leg some, uh, some months back, and I was talking to students who have done their first degrees and are now back in the university to do a master's degree. So, you know, I asked a simple question. Based on uh, what could you agree used to say in 1925, what, don't tell me what you know. Show me what you can do. So the question is this. You post a question like this to graduate students, and frankly, they can't even look at you in the eye. Because they are not used to thinking on their own. And I'll be honest with you, not one could pinpoint a particular thing that they can do. So now, when they were released into the society, after the first, uh, after their first degree, they realized that they were dysfunctional, basically illiterate in terms of being functional with any particular kind of skills, because they didn't have them. So now they've come back to do the graduate work, and they're being taught the same way. So that is really disheartening. Now, the issue was this. Where do we go from here? Because creativity and talent go together. You might have a talent, but you might have to be able to nourish it. So it comes back to who are these people who are training our young people to be so disabled? That is the question. And then you realize that if you, even if you go to the, we have about 38 uh, teacher training centers in this country. And in, 19, in 2016, people are been taught the same way to memorize things, to do true and false, multiple choice and so on. And, you know, and that's really disheartening. We have to begin to understand that these things cannot continue because we are really destroying the talent in this country. Now, what really bothers me is that I've taught many nationalities in my life. I've taught Koreans. I've taught Chinese. I've taught uh, Mexicans. I've taught Filipinos. You realize that the cognitive abilities of human beings are the same, same thing. But how do we raise our young people? You know, so you come back to Africa, where especially in Ghana, Ghana is supposed to be one of the uh, the leaders as far as education. But even that, you know, we are shortchanging our young people, and we have to begin to understand that the manner and the ways in which we teach the uh, teachers themselves have to change, because what we do traditionally is that in class one you are in a box, you go into class two, they they're moving from one box to the other. You go to class three, they move it from a, a second box to a third box over and over again. And that itself does not define the right kind of architecture, a school architecture, that to even help people to exceed, to excel. Now, the last point I I'll I raise is this. I was at uh, MIT uh, last year, and when you enter their science lab, the first thing that you see is a huge question mark. And the question is this. What are your interests? What, what is your passion? What is it that you want to do to add value to who we are? What is a particular solution that you want to be able to, uh, to, uh, to develop so that you can solve a societal problem? And then you want to tie that in with some kind of entrepreneurship because uh, especially if you begin to look at Ghana where the civil service itself is bloated in many, many ways. We don't want to continue producing the same kind of people who are not productivity-oriented. So th- these are the difficulties that we have. So back to the question, do we encourage creativity? I haven't seen it. And it's uh, it's about time that we begin to look at that. Uh, if you go to schools and you ask children, uh, what is it that you want to do, uh, the children themselves will tell you there's a particular thing that they want to do, but they don't want to tell you that they're going to learn something. There's something that they want to do. So the focus in terms of being creative focuses on the things that we have to do with our hands. We make our mistakes. There are things that we want to do. There's something that we want to do for society and so on. Because our human resource capability in any country is what is going to drive the country. And unless people are innovative, where they are creative, where they they are developing a curiosity where they are learning to solve problems, where they even anticipate being millionaires and billionaires, I think we're really short-changing our kids. And at, at the end of it, they fail examinations, and where do we find them? We find them on the streets, selling sashi water. It's the worst thing that any society can do to its people.
1: Nisafa just made some strong points about the, the educational system and its negative impact on creativity and, by extension, on talent. He spoke very passionately about a subject that he's he's spoken about for so, so many years. Before I bring on board Araba Middleton which is to give us her arguments against the motion, let me just give you some thoughts about what Anis has been saying. And just by the way, I've just posted a 55-year-old, a picture of a 55-year-old geography book talking about the natural vegetation of South America. At that point, I'm sure he had not even seen any town in South America before, but he was chewing and pouring about the natural vegetation of South, South America. I've showed you all the rivers and, and, and everything that you want to see about South America, and it's right there on Facebook. If, in case you just want to see the pictures of tonight's debate, you can join us on Facebook Live and actually see live and interactive footage of tonight's debate. And so Anish's points are mainly about the fact that the origin, the style, the design of our education at the time was just to favor the production of a stream of people to work in the civil service that at the time needed so many people who were going to work in a stem that was already laid out. But he looks at people who have made an impact like Steve Jobs, like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, among others, and says creative education is what made them who they are. Cited a first grade project hypothesis or scenario modeling exercise and talked about the impact on children and how it helped them to present with confidence at a time when they didn't even have front teeth. He also spoke about The design of our educational system and the fact that you do 16 years of sitting and you cannot be creative after that. He also spoke to the quote by Kwejir Agri, who asked about, don't tell me what you know, tell me what you can do. And he says many people today cannot answer that question. He challenged us by saying that he has met people from different countries and literally they are the same the difference is mainly how they are educated he ended with a question mark about the, uh, with a question mark on um, at the science lab at MIT and said the question at the very beginning is what can you do what is your interest what is your passion and how can you make a positive contribution in his opinion without making changes will end up producing people who stand by the roadside and sell without making any significant contribution and he's, give me an idea about anything you want to say in support of rb side <laughs>
2: or, or, or or you, you know something you've been so articulate that <laughs> that is very good you want to pass didn't you <laughs> Ten, ten over ten. Thank you, sir. Oh man, <laughs> what you <laughs> <went for? laughs> Okay, tell me what you want me to do now. Look, give something, it's,
1: it's for balance. It's very important.
2: You, you want I, me to speak on on an issue? Before on, on I actually hand over you. to her, yes, yes,
1: Tell me, is there anything that has caught your attention that is being done right? Are there any any examples? You yourself, you've travelled around, you've 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 hung out at many schools, you've observed that which you are not happy about and that which you are happy about. Are there any a couple of
2: examples of? Places that are getting it right. Fantastic, very good. Albert and I are together. Okay, there is no debate for me as far as I'm concerned. We are working together to make sure things happen. You know, when I was growing up, I started school in a village in Tutuka Uboasi. We didn't have any shoes on our feet. That's my grandmother's village. We didn't have any shoes on our feet. Now look at children going to school now. You know, they have not only they have not only do they have shoes, they have socks, and and uh, you know they are well dressed. You know, uh, and, you know, it's motivated. I love to see that because I never saw that in my time. Now, even if you go into the villages, and I've done a lot of training in the villages, in the districts and so on, you see little kids, when it's raining, these kids are walking in the rain. They want to go to school. When I go back to the same school to do uh, some kind of uh, testing afterwards in the dry season, the dust is blowing. Those kids are going to school. So that that is, to be honest with you that's what drives my passion in the sense that the young people are ready but what we have to begin now is to add value to who these young people are because they know for sure that education means a lot to them so in terms of uh, the positive uh, attitudes that you want to begin to look at, I I look at it from children, it's not from the teachers it's on the children, right? And so that was the voice of Anis Hafa. Anis is, is a, an
1: educational consultant, very passionate about the issue of teaching and learning. Equally passionate is Araba Middleton, but she is the director of admissions and financial aid at Ashesi University. Araba's been Araba's been in education all her life, and didn't hesitate at all to, to to come on the show because it's almost like playing right up her lane. Araba, you are arguing against the motion that our current educational system destroys talent. Take it up.
3: Right, Albert, and um, good to be here. Anis, I would say that on some level I do agree with you to some extent, and I think the situation could even be worse than you've described it. You know, I came across an article... Um, a research that was um, commissioned by the British Council and they had interviewed a number of students from various universities in Ghana. And with the exception of one university they mentioned, none of the students interviewed could say I have this skill after going through the system as you described it. So that is cause for worry. That makes you think that maybe, just maybe, our educational system is destroying talent. But where I differ um, is that uh, what I see I see as the restrictive nature of what we say as our current system of education. What is our current system of education? Education as I see it has multiple layers. Formal, informal, public, private you could be looking at in the classroom built environment or just anywhere so i'm looking at our educational system in an extensive way okay and when i look at it that way then i think much as i may agree on with you on some level, all hope is not lost okay so i'd like to go and say what is talent then that or we're saying it destroys talent That natural ability, and I'm speaking that from the Oxford Dictionary, the natural ability or aptitude to do something and do it well, okay? So are we saying that, in essence, Ghana's existing arrangement to provide a systematic instruction destroys that unique ability for our young ones who are subjected to that system? Yes and no. I look at our um, primary system. We're talking about the six years, three years, four years. Along the path, you take um, primary school. There are a number of clubs, there are a number of extracurricular activities that build skills that are not taught in the classroom setting. You see kids doing cultural dancing, poetry, you know, during speech day. It may not be widespread, but there's some level of structure to help harness talent as and when they are discovered. You go to our SS systems. You're talking about talent. We have an, the Interco, um, Interco schools, right? I found out that Prince Tegu, who we know as the uh, Prince of Goals, so, um, it was during sports that his talent was identified, he may just be one Wuta, Kobi, Kofinti music, entertainment in the secondary schools, that's where some of those talents were discovered and nurtured, gospel musicians, Albert, you and I know Josephine, you may see who's now Mrs. Ankoma. it was when we were in Wesley Girls that those may be few examples but my, my take is that if you look at it as a holistic system and not just the typical academic um, focus, but we're looking at it as a broad spectrum. Then we can look at and say that there are maybe not widespread, but there are opportunities to unearth talents. Look at John Tay Memorial School. See the kids playing instruments, you know. So recently, um, SOS a Minor, the students put up a beautiful production of Muntu. By Jody Graft, right? Wesley Girls, you see kids go there the night before speech day every day. They've dubbed it the literary night, poetry recitals, drama productions led by the students. And these are there. They they're enough talents. We're talking about talents. There's sports, there's music, there's a wide spectrum. We may not have the formal structures. But I think there are provisions to help unearth some of these talents. I see the West Eagles cadet corps playing and marching with such precision. That's discipline, which they need for future life, right? You go to schools, there's choirs. And that's why I say that I may differ with you slightly on the fact that we're killing talent. No, if we look strictly at education as... The le- teacher standing in front of a student telling you one plus one is two, and the people of Sarawak. I detested it. Why was my geography teacher telling me the people of Sarawak when I didn't even know what where Sarawak was? You look at it in that aspect. It may not help me. I look at Legon. I had a bad experience. A lecturer asked me in front of my mates, are you questioning me? Because I dared to share A different opinion, that could have ended my public speaking skill, right? But then there were other avenues for me. So I'm trying to look at this whole thing in a broader sense. Look at Ashesi as an i mean institution. It's not just doing the two poor pass. So there may i mean we're looking at ethical. Education, ethical ethical leadership, we're focused on projects, entrepreneurship, a whole range. So I would say that, although not widespread, there are interventions along the system that's not a perfect system. And so I don't think we're killing talent. Maybe the discourse should actually be, what is working right? And can we elevate the conversation? Can we look at these best practices that may not be so widespread? Because we want a holistic education. That I agree with you. Can we look at the best practices in terms of those institutions, those activities, programs along our educational system that are helping to unearth these talents and then bring them to the fore, engage people, and
1: see how we can replicate them. I mean, even Anis was nodding his head. I mean, he, he couldn't help. <laughs> me and you. <laughs> if you know what my job is, my job is to just synthesize the thoughts of these, these resource persons and try and bring them to your attention. And I have comments coming in from all over the world, from America, from, from Ghana here, and from different countries, people who are watching us live, making their contributions. And I'll bring them to you in a, a couple of minutes. But let me just bring Araba's thoughts home. She played the same by first siding with Anis and agreeing with him that the points he was making in fact there were even wilder ones she could add and she says um, from a British Council research that she she was privy to, uh, a number of university students were interviewed and very few, or literally none, could, could, could describe what skill they believed they had. She started her presentation by broadening the definition of our current educational system to encompass formal and informal, public and private. She says it goes beyond that which you will do in built environments to that which you will do in open environments. And she says a talent is a natural ability to do something, to do it very well, a natural attitude and ability to do something and do it well. She cited clubs and societies, extracurricular activity. She mentioned cultural dancing and and other performances. Speech Day, she mentioned intercourse, and then went on to list a few people that have made it in the public space that she said were a product of the extracurricular activities including Prince Tego, Uta Kofinti and gospel musicians such as Josephine Ankuma that she mentioned who was a schoolmate. And then she also talked about the John Tay model that has been celebrated for a long time as a place where music talents are developed. She talked about drama productions that have become very popular in many schools today. Poetry recitals, school choirs and cadet corps Araba believes that while they may not, it may not be widespread there are a lot of success stories that we can point to and she says if we define education as the formal teaching by teachers with chalk and whiteboards then we will say there's very little to celebrate but there is so much that we can look at. She mentioned that she model and says really all these interventions must be something that we look at and maybe we should redefine this argument and see where are we getting it right and what are we doing wrong that we should do so that we can point out to some of the best practices and then use them as springboard to build a better educational system. What do you yourself think about this discussion? Right there on Facebook, a number of people are commenting. Amayagwa says, this is a big issue. We must take a good look at our education and it's making a lot of sense. Nanada are writing from Kentucky, says, I feel so passionate about this topic Jerome Autry says brilliant 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 show Janet Wentum, writing from Pennsylvania says what is your passion what is your interest and how can you make a difference love that the Zaffa, Zaffa and says on point exciting stuff Nanagansa Nana is back and he says sometimes the biggest problem are parents who project their desires onto their children and refuse to recognize the passion of their offspring Is the age old problem even Mozart faced this problem it's only after he rebelled that he grazed the world with the symphonies and operas right and so um, those are some of the thoughts that have been shared. But let me just quickly get Anis to comment on the thoughts that Araba shared. I'm sure you were nodding your head and you had some quick um, positions you want to right. take on the subject. So let me give you a chance to react to Araba's thoughts. and Araba, we'll
2: I enjoy listening to you. And especially when you say that all oh, is not lost. You know, when you're a, when you're a teacher, you are doomed to be optimistic. I in like a that. Sense the sense that way, you can... If you show no optimism, then you have no business teaching anybody. So, I, I know your point is worth taking. But the, you want to also begin to understand that the biggest strides are being made in the public schools. Excuse uh, in the private schools, like at Shesi, I used to teach a leadership seminar there, mm-hmm. and also I also did some training at uh, John Tay with a jazz uh, program. Mm-hmm. Not only that, for the first time, I got children P four, P four, five, and six to write their own uh, their own uh, their own literature, literature books. You know, right. so that while they were uh, when these kids were in JHS one, JHS two, their be- their books were being taught as legitimate and bona fide literary material alongside Chino Achebe, Olesenke, and everybody else. But then what you have to do, I mean, I, I, I enjoy listening to you because the talent is there, but how do we bring it up? I've also done uh, projects with uh, some, some private schools where we have young people who haven't even done the BCE who take uh, who extend the science projects in the uh, science textbooks into community mm-hmm. where they go to measure blood pressure, mm-hmm where, for the first time, the whole community line up. And some of them have never been to a a hospital before. They have young people, 12, 13, 14, test their blood pressure. So those possibilities are there. So the issue was this. How how come we haven't extended all over the country? Because now, if you look at 271,000 people who are unemployed and they finish the university, then you ask yourself, what on earth did we do to these people mm-hmm. for them to become so dysfunctional? Mm-hmm. Knowing very well, like you say, that we can have musical geniuses out of them. And there was another project that um, I saw at uh, Tam International School right. where they produced Serafina. Yes, and, you know, I've, yes, I've seen a lot of projects in my life, in Hollywood, Hills, and the rest of it. This was one of the best that I've seen right. by Ghanaian people, people. Ghanaian children. So what I'm saying is this. We have to move further because, you know, I think you cited fantastic examples. But these should not be the exceptions. Right. They have to be regular. They have to be mainstreamed so that we bring out the possibilities of Ghanaians. Because I'm very confident that our kids can do it.
1: Mainstreaming is a point that Anise is making. Let me just read you a, a quote that represents the thoughts of several authorities in this subject, including Sir Ken Robinson, who's who's had several TED Talks on this subject. And he says, "the the issue with our educational system is that it kills creativity because it measures intelligence by a one-size-fits-all form. It says math is better than painting, chemistry is more impressive than dance, and history more useful than poetry. And the question is, why? And so... Basically, what these authorities are saying is that, really, what our education does Is this when you have your children and you see them? You don't say, "Eh, let me, hold on a minute, is this Kujo or is this Amma? It says the moment you see your children, you can tell which one is Kujo, which one is Amma, which one is Mm Kwesi. So, if you can distinguish your children just by seeing them, it means that you are also appreciating that each child is different. And so, why do you think one type of education should fit all... We must move progressively towards the point where it's not just about exams, but it's about understanding each child and their peculiar needs so that we can get the best out of them. Araba, just comment on that for a minute. Araba, one size fits all. What's your comment on that?
4: And
3: Albert, as I said earlier, if we look at just what we term as formal education, then we stand the risk of saying indeed it destroys talent. I've seen as, I mean, what I see around is our kids it's as if they're being moved along an assembly line. They're moving. And then at the end of the day, we're trying to see if they meet the standards of production. So A is perfect. B is good. C is average. You know, that that kind of thing. But what I'm saying is that even though that might seem to be the standard, there's more to education than that. And so, even though that formal structure does not allow us to look at each child as unique. There are other avenues within that educational system. My beef there is to say, again, how are we making sure it's not restricted to few places? But there are avenues for um, identifying talent and nurturing them. And that's where I also agree with Anis that let's move the conversation beyond this and say, how can we make that Paramount to the A's, B's,
1: right? Let me ask my guest: Have you seen any model? Because it seems that, based on the feedback we are getting and the analysis we are making, it seems to be that the flexibility that the, the private schools provides allows them to integrate much more of these concepts into their. Curriculum or the uh, the design of the education. Let me just ask are, are there any models that you have seen that you say, ideally, if I had my own way, this is the way it should be done? And can you describe it just so that, I mean, really, those listening can say, well, let's go look at this model and let, let's learn from it. Are there any any models right. you've
2: seen? Well, the first thing that I will say is that even the architecture of modern education institutions are changing, as well for the 21st century. That's what I made reference to. Uh, class one is in a box. They move to class two, it's another box, and so on. Things are changing where now, let's say in your first period, you are learning, let's say you are in a science lab, for example, or let's say you are learning theory. In your second period, you are not sitting and listening anymore. You are on your feet, practicing what it is that you are learning to do. The next time around, you are again in uh, on your feet where in in an assembly setting, there are people there who want to hear you to see what it is that you've done. What what are the mistakes that you've made in the past? What is that you want to do in the future? So even architecture is being designed. Now, I mean, all of our public schools, forget about the village, go to Ghana. I mean Accra. It's It's a certain culture. But the worst thing that we can do is that we have people, like I said earlier, who sit for 16 years. And we are creatures of habit, and you drop them into a ministerial office, and we expect them to perform. You know, these are some of the worst things that we can do. But again, we want to also begin to look at this. We also want to look at the physical structures themselves and ask yourself if they lend themselves to any creativity. How on earth can we have a school where there are no toilets? Or let's say a girl who is uh, in a particular time in her uh, period where she has to use the bathrooms, where does she go? Right. You know, once we restrict these psychological things, the basic human needs, let me tell you, the creativity disappears from our system. So, because we are looking that, at other things more important than creativity at that point, which is what our human needs are. Right, so you're talking
1: about even the design of the class. I've advocated for some time that three subjects must be taught from class one. One of them is how to discover your talent. The other one is entrepreneurship, and the other one is investment. And I'm saying that in teaching these three subjects, they shouldn't be taught like the way we teach them to adults. It must be broken down into stories, practice, and exercises. Uh, Let me read a few. Comments Amaya Boa says, Hello from Texas. Our education is not raising the majority of people to be world changers. Maybe Fuga is fascinated by the fact that you have mentioned John because she's a product of John Tay and she's watching from Finland. Jerome Otris says, Intercology sports are collapsing if they haven't already collapsed because we've got a lot to do to get the best from our students in this country. The very system on which our education runs doesn't bring out the best in us in terms of talents. Nana Gansa says education should be tailored to enhance talent and improve creativity and not the other way around. Arabi, let me come to you. Entrepreneurship in class one. Investment in class one talent development in Class 1. Your thoughts?
3: Albert, I think it's very possible. And if we put our minds to it, it would again shift the conversation from the minority um, that we have, like the limited um, aspect of nurturing, discovering and nurturing, to that being um, the prominent aspect of our education. I would start from Ashesi, which is what I'm used to or what I know now. Students come to us, and the first thing we ask them is, what do you think? And they're like, am I supposed think? to have an opinion? <laughs> no, seriously. seriously. <laughs> and they can remember a point in their life when they were told you were too known. And so it cut off their creativity. I'm being honest with you. So, th- And you're not telling them, we want you to be too known. <laughs> so we're kind of undoing what the damage so, to say that has been done. And if we can't, some of us were fortunate. We had parents who were teachers who would ask you, even when they're caning you, they ask you, why am I caning you? <laughs> you should have to explain why I caning, You know, but you know what I called Again, it's culture. People think children should be seen and not heard. So, it goes beyond just the education, it takes its root from our culture. I'm telling you, the older one tells you what to do. Right. so we've got culture is dynamic so as we move we should be able and it's possible
1: well talking about parents and the, the impact on, on, on our thinking our philosophy let me say good evening to my friend Kiesin who talks about his mother who had such great emotional intelligence that even before she would beat him she would call him with a soft voice and say Kweku come here, let me beat you <laughs> Unlike that, the the regular parent will be so upset. He says his mother would not even raise her voice. Kweku, come and let me beat you. So, good evening, KS. I'm sure you're enjoying the show tonight. And he's talking about parents. My mother did something that that inculcated investment in my mind in a way I still can't believe. She wanted me to learn how to save. And so, in one particular um, um, term, when I was first in class, she took me to a Kingsway shop. And a uh, "Store and said to me, she was buying me a shoe. She showed me a very, ni- I chose a very nice brown ankle high shoes. And just before she bought it, she told me, 'This is thirty nine. CDs ninety nine pesos. Would you like me to put it in your account?' And just by the way, do you know how much that can do if it is invested in an account and it grows for this number of years? By the time she finished describing it, I've lost appetite for <laughs> un- ankle high brown shoes and all my life." <laughs> Any time I see an Uncle High Brown shoe, I think if I buy it, I'm wasting all my money. You can do better. Yes, I can do better. But that was a very simple way to get me to understand delayed gratification. Can parents help? Is it possible to teach children about investment, entrepreneurship, And such subjects in their their very foundational years?
2: First of all, congratulations, because I know you've been pushing this for a long time, and God bless you, so i become successful in it. You know, nowhere in my life uh, was it told to me that it's important to know the value of money in that way. And you know, there's this joke with the Nigerians where you are teaching a a Nigerian class one kid who has 10 plus 10, and the kid doesn't know (laughs) what it is. And then the father said, uh, someone said, you are teaching him the wrong way. Ask him 10 naira and 10 naira. When you put it together, what what is it? Ah, Everybody knows that. Nobody 20 naira, you know. So these these are the things that we are missing. But you also made made a very critical point in terms of the culture. Our culture is so suppressive. Had I not, you know, my school of education was done in the U.S. where uh, we we began to understand exactly what you're saying, that uh, kids have to be seen and they also have to be heard. And then uh, the United Nations is supporting that now, what you call the three P's. The right of protection, the right of participation, and then the right of, uh, uh, there's another one. You know, but the important thing is that kids have to be in the forefront of what it is that we do. We cannot underestimate them. Now, hold on for a second
1: for me. Let me just, we have a number of callers trying to get on the show. Let's see if we can get some opinions from them. Hello, good evening.
4: Hello, good evening.
1: Good evening, your name, where are you calling from, please?
4: My name is Stephen from Angusim.
1: All right, Stephen, your thoughts on this subject, please.
4: Well, I'm a teacher myself, and it's it's really of a bother to me that you teach, and the next time you see them in the academy, they are selling pure water. For me, it's about lack of investment in our education system. Skills involvement, I mean, providing content that is irrelevant in the 21st century needs a lot of money. Our political elites are not interested in that. They are interested in brick and mortar. The one that you can point to that we we'll put in some books that people can vote for. That is what we have now. So it is based on the number of schools you can construct. Not about the content of what they are learning in school. And that's where we are. And for me, it speaks about the kind of nation that we want to be in the next 50 years. That Singapore and other countries have leverage on education to live from the development. Uh, look at what we are doing here.
1: Thank you very much, Stephen from Angesim, raising serious questions about how ready we are as, an, as a nation to build the kind of education that will take us forward. Let me take just one more call, and then we'll come back to my studio and get my guests to bring this issue to a close. Maybe let me just wrap up at this point. Let me come to you, um, Araba, to give us your closing thoughts. After a discussion like this, um, We rise from, <clears throat> we want to rise from here with with a sense of what is the way forward. In a minute, Albert, what what should be um, your recommendation about the way forward?
3: Seriously speaking, my take is that there are pockets of excellence. And as a, a nation, we should decide what our priorities are. If we want kids who are thinking, critical thinkers, who are innovative, we want Ghana to be like the Asian Tigers then what did they do right? How did they reverse? Because they were also colonized. And they, in the 60s, they also provided um, structures for people who fit into the civil service. But somewhere along the line, the balance should shift. What is now secondary may have to be um, the primary issues. And then we we, we can um, do better than we're doing now. All right.
2: Anis, give us your closing thoughts on yeah. You know... Whenever the uh, WIAC results come out, or when young people are about to do the WIAC examinations, you'll be surprised the number of phone calls that I get, radio stations and that sort of thing. Especially when uh, questions have been stolen, you know, because everybody wants to do well. But then when we focus on creativity, we realize that you don't need answers for those things. Those are answers that you have to explore yourself. Right. That that's what we call critical so thinking. So we no need for leakage in exams no, because you don't <laughs> need it. You know. So what? I'm, but then in the Ghana Education Service syllabus itself, part of an assessment is not just the true false, uh, excuse me, true false, multiple choice, and essay type, but it's also based on projects. And the beautiful thing about projects is that it tells you yes you can do it and you don't need to steal uh, answers to do those things.
1: Right. Let me take it home um, from two listeners. One listening from the U.S. and another one that doesn't give us a location. But Janet from Pennsylvania says, yes, parents have a great impact on children. Learning is both formal and informal and doesn't end in the classroom. What we watch, our peers, and our environment all have an impact on our learning. James Twade ends with a very passionate, passionate story about his own disappointment. He says, when I was in secondary school, there was a girl in my class we called Centrosima but this girl was the best runner in the eastern region in Tako. I tried to convince the parents to let the girl pursue her talent and they wouldn't support her. I think parents should really help support their children to realize their potential. And that is James Twardy, a man who sounds very disappointed about Central talent that was never fully realized. Let me say a big thank you to Anis Hafer. Arguing for the motion that our educational system destroys talents and Araba Middleton butchering. arguing against the motion. And I can tell you what, both of them are on the same side. I won't tell you which side they are on, but <laughs> you won't. <laughs> <laughs> and Irene Pra says, Great programme. I love the bit about kids being seen and also being heard. We must let our children be heard. Let me say thank you to Comfort, to Matthew and to Amos for putting this together. My name is Albert Okran. Until we come your way again. God bless you. God bless you and God bless
0: you.